Well, as you can tell, I am not Pastor Angel. He's the good-looking one. Uh, but that's an angel and Pastor D are away this weekend. <clears throat> They're with uh, uh, Bishop Perea in Manteca, CWC. Being with them and ministering uh, to them, with them. And so we are excited that uh, God is using them mightily. Uh, so we want to be a part of that. We want to always bless them when they need to go and minister. Um, we are ministering with them when they do that. So we're excited for them. Uh, we miss them, but we know God is uh, hes a powerful God, isn't he? He can use anyone. He can use you, even me. I have no idea how, but he does somehow. And God is so faithful. And he has a plan for his word this morning. Um, so, be, uh, before I begin this morning, I want to uh, just kind of uh, share a, a story. I always like to share stories. Don't be afraid my family's going, is he going to share another kindergarten illustration? <laughs> I always bring kindergarten into it, which is great. I love, I love kindergartners. But no, I'm not bringing a kindergarten story today. Uh, but it did happen last Sunday. Um, our family was in Fresno when we were celebrating my uh, mother-in-law's uh, birthday, speaking of birthdays. And uh, so we were there with her, and uh, we needed to, uh, I needed to, to go and pick up some food for, for the celebration, for our, our time together. So I dropped off the family, and I took off uh, west of, I think it's called Riverside, way west. It took me forever to get to get there, uh, but that was a restaurant that our family loves, and so it was a special occasion. We were celebrating, so uh, pulled in, got the food. We had ordered it prior uh, previously, and so I picked it up, and I was uh, backing up, pulling it out into Herndon uh, in, from the parking lot. And wouldn't you know, there was a, a, a homeless man uh, begging for uh, for money. Um, and uh, he has a sign that says, I'm hungry. How about you when you see that? My, my heart, it, he knows probably what he was doing. He wants to pull some, some heartstrings. He pulled mine. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm trying not to look at him, right? You know how it is. You're, you're laughing. You know how it is. You know, you know that if you're going to look at someone who's asking for someone in the eyes, you know the gotcha, right? I'm, saying, I'm not going to look because I'm, I'm driving, for goodness sake. I'm driving. I can't pull over. I can't, you know, because usually what I do, uh, I, I want to be sensitive, right, to the Holy Spirit, and, and I want to be generous. Uh, I try to be generous. Uh, we're, we're called in Scripture to to meet the needs of the poor, right? And so, um, and I, I, I want to do that better, and so usually... Um, if I'm walking, then I'll go into the restaurant, I'll, I'll buy them something. I don't do it as often as I should, uh, but I usually try to do that. Uh, I don't like to give money. I be, you know, I know it's the, it's the old adage, I've got some smiles here. I know what you're thinking, right? I'm thinking, okay, that he's probably not going to use it wisely. He's going to maybe use it on you know what. 
you know, on drugs or alcohol, cigarette here or there, you know, to meet and satisfy his need. And that's a normal thing, right? And, and that's where he's at. That's what he's expecting. So I'm trying to look at him because I don't want to go there and I can't get out of the car. You know, I can't go pray for him. I got people behind me. In fact, one guy was already honking. So, but I thought, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Don't ever ask that to the Lord. Because <laughs> he'll tell you. No, please do. Please do. But he'll tell you what to do. And he told me what to do. I really, I'm honestly telling you, I heard him tell me. Hey, Brian, give him what you have. That's dangerous. Well, usually it's not dangerous because I usually don't have anything in my wallet. <laughs> but in this case, I pulled out my wallet, right? So I look in there. Shoot. I got five dollar bills and a 20. I'm thinking, okay, you said give him what, you, what I have. You know what I gave him? I gave him the five. <laughs> I felt terrible. Afterwards, the Lord rebuked me. Brian, I said, give him what you have. So I was uh, rebuked a little bit, and yet I did. I prayed for him as I was driving. He was satisfied. He was happy. Uh, he got what he expected. He got $5. Hopefully he used it on a Big Mac. I, I don't know. And I gave, I gave that up to the Lord. But very similarly, in our passage this morning, we're going to look at uh, a story in Acts of how uh, James and John, it's very familiar, you all probably know it. Uh, it's about the lame man that's also begging in the synagogue or by the gate called Beautiful. We'll talk about that. Uh, but... Peter and John, unlike me, did not have a five. They did not have a 20. They had guilt. I was going to pull out my empty pockets, but they had nothing in their pockets. They were two unemployed, broke fishermen who weren't fishing any longer. At least not for fish. For men, yes. But they were broke. They had no moolah, no green, no silver, no gold. But what they did have, that's it with me, what they did have was so much better, so much richer, so much greater than what the man could even expect and was expecting to be completely healed. That wasn't even on his radar. And we're going to talk about that. But believe it or not, you and I have this very same power to be healed this morning. To be healed. And to heal. We're going to talk about both of those aspects today. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Angel began a series called More Power to You. Uh, I think it was on a Wednesday. Uh, and so we're going to continue that uh, theme. Uh, today, because of our passage on healing, our, our title is The Power to Heal 
and be healed in Jesus' name. It's not a real catchy title. Pastor Angel always has these awesome titles that rhyme. Mine does not rhyme. It doesn't, doesn't quite wrap very well, but it fits what we see. The power to heal, say heal, and be healed. So let's begin. Let's pray as you as we prepare our hearts. Would you bow your heads? Father, we um, humbly present myself to you, and we we present our hearts to you. You know our expectations of this morning, perhaps not very high, and yet we are looking to you to raise our expectations for what you want to do in our lives. We want to see the power that comes in the name of Jesus. We want to experience it. We want to invoke it. We want to believe it. Lord, I recognize that uh, words that are on my papers this morning are useless in their own power, in my own might. And they mean nothing unless you move unless you heal unless you speak unless your authority is recognized and exercised so we give it to you we know that there are hearts and bodies that need to be restored today and so we know that only your might your power your authority can do that we give it to you in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to begin this morning by reading our key passage, Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10. Uh, we're going to also kind of uh, skip a few verses. Verses 12 and 16 in New King James Version says this. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms or for money. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. He said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, his right hand, and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. 
Verse 12 says, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or, or godliness we had made this man walk? And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Amen. This uh, passage is uh, very near and dear to me. Uh, I say that not because it just gives me warm, warm fuzzies or warm feelings, not like that. I've, I have experienced uh, in my life uh, healing, but not quite like this lame man has, but I have uh, suffered, I guess I could use that word, uh, struggled through many uh, physical conditions and medical issues, probably since I was uh, 26, um, specifically in 94. Five ninety four. Um, I woke up one morning and I could not even stretch out my hands. I could not uh, walk really. I couldn't bend my knees. I couldn't bend my ankles. I walked like a penguin. Uh, and every movement I make was so painful. And I, I, I couldn't, I really... I uh, couldn't work. I lost, uh, in that time I wasn't teaching. I lost my job and I had to go back uh, and live with my parents. That was painful enough for them. <laughs> but, you know, you do what you got to do. And um, we had so many people praying for me. It's not even funny. It's just amazing. Uh, we prayed for immediate healing. To be honest, I did not get immediate healing. I did not get complete healing. But I am here to tell you that I experienced such a beautiful healing, especially uh, from September of 95 to October of 96. Um, just amazing healing. It took about a year. But I went out uh, into remission, and um, I've gone out of remission several times, but I'm in remission. I feel good. I can... I can walk, I can praise God, I can bend my knees, and that is, that is a reason to praise God. Uh, so I've experienced that healing in my life, uh, but a real big one hit, and I shared this on Wednesday, a couple months ago here in Danuba, uh, and I, I won't, uh, belabor it, but I'll be very, very, uh, quick to just say, you know, um, in 2019, uh, I got a call from my specialist. I just, I would always, uh, I have precancerous esophagus uh, as well, so they check on that. Well, they did a scope in the lab results, and he called me right in the middle of work one day and said, Brian, uh, you have a malt lymphoma uh, in your stomach. And I said, what? What's that? Is that like a malt shake? Uh, what, what is that? Uh, that is... He just broke it down. It was basically a, a slow-growing uh, uh, stomach cancer. Thankfully, it was slow-growing. Uh, unfortunately, it was slow-going. 
uh, it would not go. We, for two years straight, we went through three different treatments, uh, and every six months we would do a scope, and we would find out the same thing. There was residual cancer there. And so um, it was just a process of, of believing that, <clears throat> that God was going to heal me. Uh, and you expect that sometimes right away, don't we? We want that. And, and the power to heal is there right away. But God is sovereign. Uh, and uh, he chose a pathway for me for healing that would mold and continues to this day mold my character. And um, so then uh, last year, 2021 of March, I began a full year. of, uh, And so I would be in the chair for uh, all day pretty much, uh, once a month. Uh, and um, that was challenging, to say the least. But <clears throat> halfway through, we got another scope. And I thought, oh, man, this medicine is going to do it, right? <laughs> we got the other scope, and it's still there. And uh, to make a long story short, um, in July, uh, or June, we got another scope. July, the labs came back. The um, scope was uh, completely clear. The labs show no residual, not so whatsoever, any cancer at all. And I am cured of cancer. God is healing me. And he is raising me up. It did not happen the way I thought. My expectations were different, but um, I am so excited what God uh, has done. And, um, you know, I share my testimony because... Not only did I believe that I would be healed and then received it, but it was also a process of other believers believing by faith and, and, and even invoking the name of Jesus. And by their faith and my faith, we believed in that Jesus was going to do something powerful. And so it's a two-process thing. We're going to see that here. And we've got to share it in the title of this morning, is that we have the power to not only be healed for ourselves, but to offer healing for others. And we need to do both. And the healing power of Jesus' name is, comes in both of those avenues through our own personal healing, and as we believe by faith for healing for others. So I want to begin by examining the passage by asking this question, where did the power that healed this man come from? Was it the apostles' power? Some people think so, that after Pentecost and after Jesus um, left and left his Holy Spirit, that uh, his apostles were uh, anointed with a, uh, a power, which they were in some ways. But we're going to see how Peter responds to that. It's pretty cool uh, of how he responds to whether where this power came from. So let's look with me in verse 6. I think I have a slide up there. Somewhere in there. 
we see it certainly was not found in their pockets. Right? Peter and John tell the man that they had no silver, no gold, no money. It's pretty funny when I thought about Peter and John and where they were at their lives. They were two broke fishermen who no longer fished, at least from fish. They were broke. They didn't have an income. So when this lame man asked them for money, they have nothing. In fact, I love the way the Message Bible says it in this way. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Love that. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We're going to talk about that name here this morning. Now, you probably, those of you who have heard Pastor Angel preach, uh, I love how he breaks down the Greek word. And I won't go too in detail, but I have to, I have to share what the name is. The name, the Greek word is onoma. I think I'm pronouncing it right. We get that word anonymous. Some people have the A, but it's actually an O. Onoma. But it comes meaning name. Actually, the Vines, I love how the Vines Expository Dictionary says it. says it this way. In general, of the name by which a person or thing first is called. So you and I have a name. My name is Brian. Or Honey. <laughs> but we all have a name. Sometimes we have nicknames. Right? And... Uh, so we, we need to get our attention. Or someone wants to get our attention, they call us by our name. So it's very important. But a noma is so much more than the noma of Jesus. That's just the tip of the iceberg. For, and it says, for all that a name implies of authority, say authority, character, rank, majesty, power, say power. His, the name itself, meaning the power that it brings. It means excellence, majesty, of everything that a name entails or covers. Jesus speaks of the power of his own name. I love how he speaks of his own name. It's pretty cool. Not in a frightful way, but he knows the power that he has. In John 14, 13 through 14 says, And whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So he himself recognizes that it is, there's something in his name. There's a power in his name that we will discover. Discover, excuse me. So we're going to jump down. I realize that I may lose people here, but I'm going to do my best not to lose you. I don't want anybody running out the door or snoring on me here. Hang on with me. But I kind of want to go backwards. Normally, especially as inductive uh, Bible study, inductive messages, we go from the first verse all the way down, right? 
Well, I feel like because the theme is on the power of the name of Jesus to heal, I gotta go from the from the back part, and then we're gonna circle circle back around, and hopefully that will make sense to you. Uh, so we want to talk about um, how this man was healed. Um, Acts three twelve. I'm going to read it one more time. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Notice the original word here is used, dunamis. I know Pastor Andrew talked a lot about this word. There's actually four particular words in the New Testament that, that mean power. This one is dunamis. And Luke uses it very carefully. He doesn't just pick a, one of the words. He specifically takes dunamis from, uh, and of course we get the word dynamite from dunamis, right? And, uh, this word means ability, might, or mighty works and miracles. Let me say that again. Ability, might, mighty works, or miracles. We think of a stick of dynamite. There is a mighty potential just in that stick. And there is a mighty potential just in the name, in the invoking of the name of Jesus. So this morning I want to suggest four ways, simple ways, and we'll go through it. It's not as long as you might think. It it will go quickly, I think that we can experience the power of healing in Jesus' name. You ready with me? No one's falling asleep on me? Smiling at me? There we go. All right, number one. And this is kind of simple. It even comes right with the title. Know that you do have the power to both heal and be healed in Jesus' name. We have to know it. We have to recognize it, and we have to apply it. We have to do all those three. And I didn't, I wasn't sure, what word do I use there? And all I could come up with is no. So you have to bear with me. You have to know it. You have to understand it. We have to recognize that power to heal in Jesus' name. So then in verse 16, Peter explains in more detail about this power of the name of Jesus to heal. Acts 3.16 says, And his name... Through faith in his name. Catch that. You tracking with me? There's two things there. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith. He repeats it. The faith which comes through him, through Jesus, has given him, the lame man, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I love how Luke writes this phrase. We see here that healing actually comes in those two ways. Did you catch it? Through the invoking of the name and through faith in his name. You, You can invoke the name of Jesus, but without confessing faith in Jesus, it means nothing. 
There's even a story in Acts, how, uh, what was it, the seven sons of Sceva, I forget, tried to invoke the name of Jesus. It wasn't on healing, it was on casting out demons. But yet, they thought they could invoke the name of Jesus. They did not have the authority of Jesus in their lives to do so. And they got in trouble. No? That's a whole other story. Hadn't planned to do that, but the Spirit told me to say that. But we need to have both. You need to, ha- to know the power, the dunamis of the name of Jesus. And you need to have experienced it by faith in, in expressing and confessing not only your sins, but that he is your Lord. He is your Savior. He is your Master. He is your Redeemer. He is the one that has lifted you up out of that grave. No? Get up, get up out of that grave. He's the one that pulled you out. So when you know the name and you've experienced the resurrection of the dunamis of Jesus in your own life, that's power. And you can use that. I was trying to think of a way to illustrate this power that we have through the name of Jesus and through faith in his name. And I immediately thought of the medical term, power of attorney. Anybody know? You guys know what the power of attorney is, right? Some people are some people are saying yes. <laughs> I, I have heard it a lot in hospitals. I've been in hospitals a lot, unfortunately. <clears throat> so they always ask me, Brian, do you have your power of attorney? Because I need to have someone, particularly my wife, that will, if I don't make it, or if I'm uh, turn into a vegetable, I guess. I know it's not very pretty. But if, if something goes wrong, I have someone with the authority to make the decisions on my behalf. That's the power of attorney. I love how um, the, um, I forget what it's called, the, um, Investopedia calls it, it's a dictionary uh, in, in, in Google. And I, I Googled it just to make sure I was right on the right track. And I was. It says the term power of attorney refers to the legal authorization that gives a designated person the power to act for someone else. The agent may be given broad or limited authority to make decisions about the person's property, financial investments, health, and medical care. I love that. But the power of attorney in your life can, if you need, and you can't make that decision, and you don't have the power anymore to function, there's a power of attorney that can help you. And in our lives, Jesus is your power of attorney. He can stamp his name on your life because he and his name has full authority in your life if you have given him that power. And God the Father has given him that power in your life because of what he did on the cross 
for you and I. He is our power of attorney. You know, you and I alone do not have the power, the ability, the authority, nor the godliness, as Peter and John confessed, to bring healing to others. They even said, why are you marveling at us as if we have some godliness? We could say that. They're the apostles, for goodness sake. Weren't they godly? Weren't they saints? Sometimes we think that. Peter says right away, we have no authority to do what we just did in our name, in our power, in our ability. But Jesus does. Mm. It is solely by faith in Christ alone that he can and desires to give you what you ask of him. If it will glorify him. Now, does this mean that God will always respond immediately to heal when we ask him in Jesus' name? He did this at the, at the very moment for Peter and John. But we must know that God is all-knowing and all-sovereign. He knows what is best and has a plan as well for our lives and the lives for those that we are praying over. Now, I felt called, you know, when you're dealing with healing, it is a... I'm telling you, I had to have a lot of faith in bringing this message because it is not an easy message. It is a tender message for a lot of people, especially if, you know, in my case, I waited three years and I did receive complete healing. But I can think of my dad um, who got uh, tumors, melanoma tumors all over himself, his body, and my wife and I, our family, uh, our church was anointing him, praying over him for healing, expecting complete healing. You know, and there's no easy answer. He did not get it in this lifetime. And I'm here to tell you, he got complete healing And he is dancing and praising and experiencing complete healing in the life with Jesus as he worships him. My dad loved God and loved Jesus, and he is completely healed. Now we think of our brother Joe. We we as a body, we prayed for him. We anointed him. We expected great things to happen. You know, he is completely healed. So we can say, well, he didn't receive his healing. But we know that his family agrees that he did receive it, just not in our own terms. Certainly not on family's terms. Certainly not on human terms. But God was healing him in his own sovereign plan So does this nullify what we're saying that when we invoke the name with faith that it will, God's going to respond in the way that we are expecting? No. Not necessarily. Yes and no. Sometimes when we extend that hand and we, we pull someone up, um, that is God healing, not us 
naming it and claiming it. There is that view. I don't hold that. I don't see that necessarily here. But yet God has that power to do that. And he does that today. And he could do that that very thing this morning for you. He could choose to do that if by faith you shout out his name and you believe on his name. That's, that's going to happen. We're going to believe that's going to happen. But if it does not, in the way that you expect, God has greater things than you can ever imagine. And that leads us to our second way this morning, that we can experience the power of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus. Number two, expect great things to happen. When you say expect great things, I can't hear you. There we go. Expect great things. Tell your neighbor, expect great things. There we go. I need some help. Now, I want to go back to verse 4 and 5 and take a closer look now. So we're going to circle back and look at the response of the lame man when Peter and John first looked at him. Remember, I didn't want to look at the beggar that was asking me. I didn't want to look at him. But, but they looked straight in his eyes. It says, I'm fixing his eyes, meaning Peter, on him, meaning the lame man. With John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Expecting. So Peter and John had come to pray in the temple at the hour of prayer. There was three hours of prayer. There was a 9 o'clock, a 12 o'clock, and a 3 o'clock. And John and, and Peter decided to go into the temple together. Now that's an amazing miracle of itself. Remember, John was always the apostle that was laying on the lap of Jesus. He was always the, the good one, you know, the close one with Jesus. And Peter was the loud mouth, and he was always loud and obnoxious. And, you know, John was always getting attention, and Peter was always going, what's going on with you, dude? You know, there was always that uh, disunity a little bit, you know. But after Jesus uh, died and rose again, and, and, and he, this is right after Pentecost, by the way. We see that just opposite. These guys are like this. They're tight, and they're in unity together. But two or three gathered. Oh, there's power. And these guys were going to prayer. They're going to business. They're going to the temple, and they were going to, to, to pray about this was at the beginning of the New Testament church before they were even meeting in homes. And so they would go to the temple and they were going to pray. Now, everyone else going uh, has uh, probably brought an offering. You know, when you went to the temple, it was prayer time, but there, there was uh, the scripture was read. Uh, there was an offering. We've, read lots of, we've seen lots of circumstances in Scripture where, you know, there was offering. There was that woman who was giving offering, uh, a, a widow. And so uh, they, uh, many people were, would go there with money. Peter and John did not. And so he says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I have for you is much Greater. You know, this man 
Let me go back a little bit. The extent of his expectation was expecting money, expecting something that would just satisfy him. Just like the, the man I gave money to. That satisfied him. And this man had no other great expectations. He had been lame all his life. That's all he knew. So all he was wanting was an offering. But God's greater gift was so much greater. I love how David Gusick explains this point in his commentary. He says this, The lame man was right in expecting to receive something from them, but he received much more than the monetary donation he would have been satisfied with. And many have yet to come to the place where they really expect something from God. Think about that. This is faith, plain and simple. Even if the man expected less than Jesus wanted to give. Better yet, we should expect the right things from God. We are often much too ready to settle for much less than God wants to give us. Can I read that one more time? Think about that. We are often much too ready to settle for much less than God wants to give to us. And our low expectations often rob us from the healing that Jesus intends for us. Sometimes we expect too little. I mean, it's okay to expect little from ourselves or from someone else. But when we expect too little from Jesus, we're going to not get what he intends for us. Because what he intends for us is so much greater, so much more beautiful. You know, if we truly receive healing and pray for healing, we need to be in this place where we really do expect God to move and to heal when we, we come before the Lord, we need to expect that he's going to touch us where we need to be touched. Maybe not how and when, but we need to expect that he's going to do it. As we invoke his name, as we say his name, and as we proclaim his name through faith, we can expect that he's going to do great things for us. James 5, 13, 15 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him do what? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders and leaders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. We are called to pray out of faith in the name of Jesus for healing. It does take a step of faith and obedience. But we are called uh, to ask our leaders and our pastors to pray and anoint us with oil. We need to, to uh, ask for that. But I want to go a step further. We are also called as a church. It is not just for our prayer team. It is not just for our PW crew. It is not just for Pastor Andrew and Pastor D. 
or any other guest speaker, certainly not in my power, to just be the one to to pray healing in the lives of other people. The other day, excuse me, the other day I was at a school carnival in university, a piece at Golden Valley School, and we had a carnival, a yearly carnival, and thank you. And um, I was doing a booth, I was doing a lollipop booth. And, and uh, we had it, it was like a game. And so uh, as we're doing that, though, uh, a brother of mine uh, was uh, sharing with me, because sometimes, it, you know, the line wasn't busy, so I would talk with him. And he briefly just shared, uh, poured out his heart uh, for the need of restoration and healing, both physically but more so in, in, his, in his life. Obviously, I'm not going to say who it was, but um, we had a beautiful time together. Uh, and I, I couldn't just say, well, okay, brother, I'm going to pray for you this week. I could have easily said that. But I'd already been preparing this message, and this is what God has been speaking on my heart, that when you look at someone and they say what their need is, it's so easy to say, you know, I'll pray for you. You know, I, I, I can't do it right now. There's too many people looking. But I'll pray for you. But what God has been teaching me is that I need to extend my hand in prayer right at that moment. And I did. And I was, I was obedient. And not always. But I've been really working on it, and it's a beautiful thing how God moves. And right there in the midst of hundreds, there must have been six, seven hundred people at least, if not a thousand people there on campus. And, and there was movement and action and loud noises, and you would think, why would you want to pray in the middle of a carnival, school carnival, right? But I, I pulled them over. And we just declared the name of Jesus, the power in his, in his body, uh, in his family's bodies, and in the restorative process and their relationships. And we declared what God was going to do and was doing right there in, in his life. And we prayed loud. We didn't care. Even before I checked with my colleagues, I said, okay, can, you got it? And she says, I got it. And, and we just... And she's not even a believer, but yet it was a beautiful thing to allow us to, to, to just meet his need and to pray for, for him. And it was a beautiful thing what God did, and I'm anxious to hear uh, what uh, God is doing in his body and in his family. Uh, but friends, it, it shouldn't happen just at this altar. And it, and it should happen here because that's what we do here, right? And it should. We should be coming to our, the altar and sharing our need of healing or restorative need. But that's a given. What happens when we go through those white doors? When we're outside in the patio? When we're at work and you hear or you want to share what your need is, specifically when you hear someone in need, do you, are you willing to extend your hand in prayer? 
Because you can do it no matter where you are. I don't care if you're on aisle nine at Walmart. Extend your hand. Be obedient to the, to the Holy Spirit. Invoke the name of Jesus. I don't, you know, some people say, No, Jesus, no. Shout it out. Who cares what Walmart thinks? Because the only thing that matters is that the name of Jesus is being believed on for specific healing because that's what he does. And we can even do it at Walmart, McDonald's. We can do it uh, at our homes. I need to do that much better with my family. That when I see a need, I need to stop. My wife does it awesome. I do not. And I am working on this process as well. But we need to extend our hand. You know, finally the fourth way that we can experience the power to heal and be healed. Uh, Number four, celebrate with God or when God heals. Say celebrate. Tell your neighbor, let's celebrate. Now, I'm not trying to uh, uh, mimic or uh, recite what uh, John Harkey, Pastor John Harkey, did last, uh, shared with us last week. That was so awesome. Pastor John, if you're listening, that was, that blessed my socks off. How he was sharing how we need to celebrate the restorative work in people's lives. When someone is saved, we need to celebrate. We need to praise God. We need to start singing and shouting when God saves someone, when God restores relationships between him and to others. We need to celebrate. I love that. I wish I was more charismatic. I wish I was. I, I could bring that. But God knows what he wants to tell you. But you need to celebrate you and I need, can and need to celebrate when he heals you, when he touches your body, when he uses you by the extending of your hand, by praying for others. You know, uh, last August, um, right before school started, um, I was there, you know, sick for a week. Uh, believe it or not, I... I for the first time, I went for three years without COVID, and right before school, I get COVID. I was like so mad. <laughs> you know, I tried to be very careful. Uh, we all do, you know, but I got COVID. But and with my issues, that was a little worrisome. But we prayed, and uh, God got me through it without any problem. He healed me, uh, and it was on the tenth day, though. I'm thinking, oh, okay, I got this. But I woke up in the morning, and I had severe stomach pain. I mean, I was doubling over. Uh, and I thought, is this, like, did, did I have a relapse? Is it COVID? What, what's going on? And um, uh, it got so bad, I said, honey, you, you got to call. You, call now. And when I say you got to call, I mean, it's, it's time. You got to call. I, I usually tried to bear it, and I couldn't bear it anymore. They called the ambulance, and I don't know why, but the fire trucks all come to, and everybody knows, and uh, it's a big old ruckus, you know. Uh, and uh, I was expecting them to take me, expecting them. Uh, but they said, right, and they kept on investigating, and it turned out, after lots of questions, we realized 
that uh, I have kidney stones. It was a, a blockage. It was just the pain that comes through a kidney stone. <clears throat> Those of you who have had kidney stone, I always say it's the guy's, <clears throat> guy's way of, a man's way of understanding just a minuscule way of what childbirth is. It's the only way we can maybe relate just a little bit. It is so painful. But as they're dealing with uh, this, uh, the issue, they said, you, you can, we'll take you, but you're going to wait four, six, eight hours in the hospitals. We can take you to Korea. We can, I said, no, not Korea. Sorry. Sorry. That's another conversation. <laughs> but but you can take me to Clovis. You'll wait long there too, Brian. And I said, what am I supposed to do? He said, just, just go to Reedley or go to uh, uh, urgent care. So we decided to do that. But as they're still there, I hear that my cousin is passing by. She notices uh, the ruckus and the, the ambulance. And uh, she uh, either calls and then later she texts me as well um, and checking on me. Uh, we, we find out that during that time, she is praying. She is praying. And even before the, the paramedics leave, it, it was almost instantaneous that the, the pain left me. It was gone. They hadn't given me anything yet. Later on, I did take her ibuprofen, but even before I took the ibuprofen, it was, it was gone. It just suddenly, I was, we were talking about how to get ready and going to, to really, and it was gone. And I, I did find out that she had prayed, and my other, my cousin as well had been praying. The sad news is that afterwards I forgot to call her and tell her what God had done. I forgot. I called her, I told the story, and they were going, <laughs> like, that's embarrassing. It was. And I, I, really, I blew it. Sometimes I cannot, I'm not as grateful as I need to be. We need to be grateful. When we see the power of Jesus' name on our lives and in our bodies as he heals us, we need to praise him like this man did. He got up and he was jumping. He was walking. He was praising God. I love that song that P.W. is singing. All I have to do is start singing. All I have to do is start praising your name. You guys should have just done the message for me. That whole song does it. It's beautiful and it's powerful. But we need to celebrate even before, during, and after God gives us the result. We need to praise him. We need to celebrate it. And we need to testify. This guy clung to Peter and John's leg. And, and I can just imagine he's just clinging as they're going into the temple. And he's telling everybody what God has had done. So we have to celebrate and we have to tell others. Don't make the same mistake I did. I, I plan to remedy that, by the way. So, in conclusion, I know I've 
almost exhausted our time today, but let's review. We've seen today, number one, that we have the power to heal and be healed in Jesus' name. We've talked about that. But we need to know it. We need to apply it. We need to exercise it. And we've been challenged to expect great things. When we seek healing in the power of his name, when we extend our hand, we need to expect that God is going to do great things. You have to expect that God will do it. Three, we've been called to believe by faith and then extend your hand to pray not only for yourself, but for others. And you can do that through the power of worship and testifying of the mighty deeds, things that God has done for us. We're going to get a chance to do that this morning. Uh, as we begin to minister to our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to uh, to touch us. You know, I would be remiss if I would not offer this altar for specifically the, the two things that we talked about. But I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and allow just God to speak to you. You know, if you want to even close your ears, you don't want to hear me, that's great. But listen to what Jesus wants to give you and offer you. You know, perhaps your expectations have been low regarding your healing. Maybe you've just got used to the pain. Maybe you just got used to people praying for you and nothing happens, maybe. I don't know your story. But God has a plan and he wants to manifest his power in your body and in your life. And in fact, he wants to use you to do that in the lives of others. To glorify his name. Not to glorify you. Not to say, good job. But he wants to glorify his name through your faith in your healing. It's a beautiful thing. And yes, he wants to do it for you. And he wants to do it. Even starting now. I don't know how it's going to look like. I can't, can't tell you that. But by faith this morning, I want to invite you and open up this altar for you. If you are someone that you have, you've already prayed, you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is your Master, He is your Redeemer, and yet you have been sick, or you have something that's so painful, and you're so tired of it, and yet your expectations have not been met, but as you look intently on Jesus this morning, he has something for you. He has something that money cannot buy. He has something that you cannot satisfy on your own. It is so precious. It is so beautiful. So I'm going to ask you as we begin to sing, 
Uh, if you need healing in your life, I'm going to ask the uh, prayer team uh, to be ready. You can even already come up. Um, even if you're not on the prayer team yet, and you are called, you know that God wants you to pray. Maybe it's someone that's up here and they're in your, your, your group, your men's group. Uh, and God's telling you, go extend your hand. Feel free to do that. God has given you that authority. I'm going to open that freedom a little bit here this morning. But also, if you, I'm going to maybe open up this side, this side of the altar. If you are saying, you know what? I have not extended my hand. I see people all the time, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid that they're not going to be healed. But you are opening up in faith and you want the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life to extend your hand in the healing power of not your name, but his name. And you want to open yourself up to that ministry. This altar is for you as well. So would you come? And we're going to pray over you. We're going to ask that we have anointing oil here. Um, our prayer warriors are willing and able and ready to to use that oil in your life. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Would you come?